0: They are our 11 Warriors. Yes, they are the 11 Warriors. The most disciplined and the toughest damn news you're ever going to be
1: around. Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined by Griffin Strom in Indianapolis. Coming to you one day later than usual because uh, we are in Indianapolis covering Big Ten Media Days and typically we would, of course, publish an episode on wednesday morning but ohio state holding its day at big 10 media days on wednesday throughout the course of the day so we wanted to be able to uh, recap that for you and then come back here on a thursday and talk about everything we heard and learned from the buckeyes on Wednesday, and uh, we'll we'll get to all of that. But in the interest of not burying the lead here, uh, also want to mention that this is going to be Griffin Strom's final episode of Real Pod Wednesdays, as uh, Griffin will be moving on from Eleven Warriors after this week. And uh, Griffin, we're certainly going to miss you. Uh, certainly. You've done a great job uh, co-hosting the show for the last two years, and you've been a, you know, a great beat partner uh, here at 11 Warriors. So uh, we're certainly going to miss uh, having you on the show, but uh, wishing you all the best in uh, your next endeavors.
0: Well, Dan, I appreciate the kind words so much. It's been great the last two years, uh, obviously getting to work with you, Garrick, everybody at 11 Warriors. Uh, I always looked up to, to you guys and, and 11 Warriors in general and, and was so happy when you guys brought me on board just a couple of years ago. Of course, now that I'm at the the end of the run here, it feels like it was you know just yesterday. Two years kind of flew by, uh, but. You'll, you'll, ever, uh, you'll, you'll forever be in my hearts moving forward, Dan, so I appreciate that. And, and we're
1: having some real bonding moments here on, on Griffin's final episode because uh, we only have one microphone with us as we're recording here in an Indianapolis hotel, and so we are sitting like right next to each other. So uh, we're, we're, we're really getting some bonding time here uh, before you leave.
0: It's getting real steamy up in Indianapolis. Like, you know, after Big Ten media days and everything like that, one hotel room, one microphone, that's all you need to know.
1: And and probably uh, worth clarifying, Griffin, uh, I won't get into too much about, you know, what uh, your future holds. But I'm sure some people will listen to this and the rumors will start about. Whichever Ohio State outlet you're going to. So probably worth clarifying that uh, you will be moving on from uh, covering Ohio State sports. So this is not a matter of you leaving 11 Warriors for another outlet. It's a matter of you starting a, a new chapter of your life in which we all wish you success on.
0: Yeah, I wish I could I could, you know, be one of those people that says, you know, stay tuned for the, the, the next adventure because it's right around the corner. But the truth is, I'm, I'm not a thousand percent sure, you know, what what's next professionally. Uh, but, you know, eventually, hopefully, Dan, we, we I can make such an announcement at down the road.
1: Nevertheless, I know most of you are tuning in to hear about Ohio State football and about Big Ten Media Days. So we're, we're going to do one more one more podcast episode here uh, before Griffin leaves. And there's plenty to talk about, certainly, from Indianapolis. And I think uh, probably the biggest thing that stood out to me on Wednesday, it came near the end of the day when Ryan Day was doing his breakout session with the media. And I actually asked him a question about – uh, the Big Ten's uh, future scheduling, and what I was really getting at, what I what I really wanted to ask about was about Penn State not being on the schedule anymore, and, and what he thought about that, and and he didn't really express a strong opinion about that. He's kind of well, that decision's made, you know, it it is what it is. He didn't really seem to felt too strongly about one way or the other, but he did say that he thinks it's you know quote worth a long conversation whether the Ohio State-Michigan game should be played earlier in the regular season. And I'm sure that everybody out there has thoughts on that. And certainly, you know, the comments we saw, you know, in the immediate aftermath. uh, I think some Ohio State fans uh, being on board with it and understanding of it, because the reality is if Ohio State and Michigan continue to play each other in the final week of a regular season as of next year, there's – I would say a strong likelihood that in the near future, Ohio State and Michigan will play each other in back-to-back weeks and play in the Big Ten championship game one week after – the game because of the fact that the Big Ten is going divisionless. It's gonna take the top two teams of a conference every year. And you run into that possibility where you could go into the game with Ohio State and Michigan both knowing they're already going to play each other in back-to-back weeks. And certainly that could take something away from the you know actual rivalry game in the regular season. But it's also such a well-established tradition uh, you look at Ohio State's past schedules. Uh, the last time Ohio State played Michigan before the final week of a regular season was in 1942. So it is a very long-standing tradition that Ohio State and Michigan always meet each other at the end of a regular season. And given that, are certainly I think a lot of people who hear something like that and say, no way, you got to keep Ohio State and Michigan in the final week of a regular season.
0: Yeah, that seemed to be a, a big talking point and a big gripe, Dan, when the the conversations about a divisionless Big Ten kind of were first happening a couple of years ago and everything like that. And it was like, oh, well, uh, the possibility of Ohio State playing Michigan, you know, back to back games, you know, what, what would that do to the rivalry? Would that, you know, kind of make the, the final regular season game less important? Um, however... You know, kind of since the, the decision was made to go divisionless and bringing in USC and UCLA, it feels like that that hasn't been as big of a kind of concern where that, you know, the likes of Gene Smith and Ryan Day have been speaking out against that notion. But so that's why I think it kind of made Ryan Day saying that today all the more interesting because we haven't kind of heard any big pushback on that um, as of yet. Um, and, but of course, you know, you, you, you first have to see if that situation actually plays out, right. Because if that situation doesn't end up actually playing out for, you know, a, a few years and it's like, it's, it's much ado about nothing, but I think you have to kind of wait and see if that does end up happening several times. If it is weird, if fans don't like it, if coaches don't like it, uh, then I think you, you probably do need to start having those, those conversations, but maybe Ryan Day wants to have those discussions beforehand rather than after the fact. And based on what he
1: said, it sounds like there have already been conversations about it. He said, quote, I know that they're talking about it. I just don't think that any hard decisions have been made. I don't think they're going to be made here real soon. So I just want to be part of those conversations. So it certainly doesn't sound like any change is imminent in terms of Ohio State not playing Michigan in the final week of the regular season, but it does sound like that conversation has started to be had. And so it's interesting to hear that because it's the first time we've heard that, that Ohio state and and Michigan could potentially be having that conversation about playing sometime other than the final week of the regular season.
0: You can just imagine though, Dan, like the situation where, if Ohio State and Michigan aren't don't end up being the two b- best teams in the Big Ten, they d- they were never going to play in the Big Ten championship in a given season, let's say. And then the game has moved up significantly from you know its usual final weekend of the regular season slot. That's that's going to to figure to make a lot of fans pretty angry, I would imagine.
1: I can definitely see both sides of it here. Um I mean, I I definitely you know think there's going to be a lot of traditionalists that if this does come to pass uh, will be very unhappy about it. And, you know, and I I think there's also a reality too that like these comments being made by Ryan day right now are going to be perceived differently than if say urban Meyer made them in 2017. Right. Because Ryan day is making these comments off the heels of back to back losses to Michigan. And so there's already kind of this perception out there of, Ryan Day doesn't understand the rivalry the same way that Urban Meyer and Jim Trestle did, and now I think for for the people who feel that way, this is now just another log on the fire for him to come out and say I don't know if we should play the, the game in the final week of the regular season. I I think that's you know just a, just another thing that people might pick at, but you know I I, I do think he's coming from a logically sound place in terms of this idea of it, if if you play them back to back weeks the game as we know it may just not matter as much because if, if you already know going into that game, you're going to meet again the next week, which I mean, again, I, you know, you kind of have to see if that's ultimately going to play out that way because, you know, there's going to be two more teams in the conference next year with USC and UCLA. You never know how the conference might expand beyond that in the future. And so it's no given that Ohio state and Michigan are going to be playing in the big 10 championship game every year. I mean, you could change the schedule and end up with Ohio state playing the same team two weeks in a row, depending on, on how that ultimately plays out. And so there's no given that any of this is going to happen, but I do think there's an argument to be made that, hey, even if you moved the game back like one or two weeks, then, you know, if you know there's still more on the line in terms of those Big Ten championship game stakes, you, you don't run into that possibility of just playing a game that, at least in terms of a Big Ten standings, effectively doesn't matter
0: and I think to to spell out some of the kind of criticism that at least I've seen Dan online from day saying that just uh you know today as we record on Wednesday is that obviously the past couple of seasons here kind of you know the, the notion with with Ohio State losing back-to-back games is that oh it, is the cold weather affecting Ohio State in the the pretty offense you know and the is Michigan's style of play the the smash mouth kind of you know up front line play on both sides is that getting the better of Ohio State in the, in the cold weather in Ann Arbor obviously the the snowstorm and things of that nature and uh, you know kind of people saying after the game you know they, they would want to see the game played and you know how would the game be different if it was played in warmer temperatures and things of that nature so from from some you know a, a cynical standpoint people might see that comment from day today and be, be thinking like oh Ryan Day wants to play this game you know in, in in a better climate or something like that but there's obviously ways where you could work around that with that not being the case as you said moving the game up maybe a couple of weeks or something it doesn't mean that you have to play you know Michigan right at the beginning of September or something like that
1: yeah and i i got the impression based on what he said you know he 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 said you know he had the quote even if you played it week 11 week 10 no matter what it's going to matter And, you know, he he was asked later, like, how would you feel about opening the season against Michigan? And he basically deferred that question and said, let's get back to talking about this season. And so I I didn't get the impression that he is thinking that Ohio state should play Michigan in the first week of September. I I just think that, uh, you know, he's thinking just wanting to avoid that possibility of playing in back to back weeks. And, you know, even a slimmer possibility that Ohio State could play Michigan in back-to-back-to-back games, because, you know, once you get into this 12-team playoff going into next year, you open up this possibility of where you could play. Ohio State and Michigan could play each other in the playoff more like, I mean, it could have last year, but, you know, you know that would have been the final game of a year, but, you know, you never know what's going to happen with these 12-team playoffs. And so, I mean, we've talked about it before. I think it's inevitable that, at some point Ohio state and Michigan are going to play each other multiple times of a year. That, that, that's something that we already know is probably going to happen at some point. But, you know, I think this is kind of Ryan day's way of looking at it of can we continue to play that game every year and, and play Michigan every year without, or with at least decreasing that likelihood that we're going to play the same team in back-to-back games.
0: And Dan, the, the Michigan contingent, Jim Harbaugh and company won't be speaking until, you know, probably by the time you're already hearing uh, this podcast on Thursday. So we, we haven't heard, you know, comments from that side of things yet. But in terms of Ohio State, Michigan talk and everything like that, it seems like Ryan Day is, is kind of, Harping on this theme this year, Dan, that Ohio State found something after last year's Michigan game that he thinks that they can build on going into the 2023 season. Kind of this, this theme, he's, he's mentioned it before kind of this offseason that maybe they were a little too uptight in, in the Michigan game and that you know they went into the Georgia game this past year in the CFP with a different mindset and a different mentality where they were kind of trying to just let things all hang out, so to speak. And he thinks that that served Ohio State really well in that matchup and he and then it seems like Ryan Day is trying to apply that moving forward to kind of all of Ohio State's games.
1: Yeah, I mean I think that certainly should be the goal. And we heard him talk a lot about that before the Georgia game. And I think, you know, most people would agree that even though Ohio State didn't win that game against Georgia, but it looked like a different team against Georgia than the team we saw against Michigan. And so I think it's trying to bottle that up and then make sure you're continuing to play aggressive every game, and then especially when you get to those big games at the end of the year, really be able to peak and and play at your most aggressive, and and be able to respond, you know, when things go wrong. Because I know he mentioned that on Wednesday. But you know, the second half, Michigan starts making some big plays. Ohio State just didn't punch back. They just weren't able to to respond. And I think you know that's certainly something you know this year. I mean. You know, I you know, like I, I, I know we do like our our weekly chats on Eleven Warriors and somebody asked me recently, like, what's Michigan's weakness this year that Ohio State can expose? And my answer was, I don't think Michigan has that. Like I I think Michigan is going to be better this year than it was the last two years, which means if Ohio State's gonna beat Michigan, Ohio State has to be better. Like it I don't think Ohio State's key to beating Michigan this year is some flaw that Michigan's going to have this year that it didn't have the last two years. I think for Ohio State to beat Michigan this year, Ohio State just has to straight up play better in that game than it has the last two years. And so certainly uh, a lot of what uh, this team is working toward all offseason is going to be driven toward that. Now, of course, they they have 11 games to, to win before that. So, you know, you can't let that you know, you can't let that overshadow everything. You have to focus on one game at a time, but I, I, you know, without a doubt, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big thing. And like, I know, like even Marvin Harrison Jr. was asked about that on Wednesday and he was asked, you know, how do you not let like bat loss, you know, kind of cloud your entire season? And he said, well, you know, let's, let's be clear. Like we have to win that game. Like that's the game we have to win, you know? And I think, you know, that that attitude is very pervasive throughout the program. It certainly is throughout the fan base But Ohio State has to win that game. If Ohio State doesn't win that game, then no matter how well it plays in the first 11 games, it's going to be judged on what happens in that 12th game. That is just the reality at Ohio State. And that's why we're, we're talking about it right now, even though that game is still four months away.
0: Yeah, Dan, I know Cade Stover talked about, you know, the, the Michigan losses as well and kind of just said, you know, they do sting a little bit more for him as an Ohio native, you know, a guy that grew up rooting for the Buckeyes and things of that nature. But he said, you know, that they're just pretty much wearing that on their chest right now. And he said, you know, he, he hasn't looked into to who's favored. I don't think that they're necessarily trying to to draw motivation from, from just that, but, but he said that, you know, he basically guarantees that Ohio State is going to be ready to play in that game uh, and, and buck the recent trend of Wolverine wins against the Buckeyes uh, this upcoming season.
1: To flip back real quick to, you know, the Penn State angle that I actually was asking about initially, I, I did ask, you know, James Franklin and some of his players on Wednesday as well about what they thought about Penn State no longer being a protected rival for Ohio State after this season and you know but you know none none of them none of them came out and said like oh we should be playing ohio state every year like the players were largely deferential in the sense of we're gonna play who we play uh you know the schedule is the schedule and we just want to go one and woe every week but you know i did think james franklin's answer was interesting because i know we, I know we talked about it when the new scheduling format came out. We, we talked about that debate of whether Ohio State versus Penn State is a rivalry, and we know a lot of fans – don't think it is a rivalry, you know, Gene Smith, when he was asked about it basically, you know, said he doesn't view it as a rivalry and James Franklin, you know, I'd say if if that's how you feel, James Franklin agrees with you because well, I asked him about it on Wednesday and you know, basically the you know, I'll I'll write about it on on 11 Warriors at some point here in the near future, but you know, basically the gist of James Franklin's response was if you have to ask if it's a rivalry, then it's really not a rivalry, right? Like if you the true rivalries are the ones you know they're a rivalry and for Penn State they just don't really have that with any team and that's why they don't have this protected rivalry because you know like he he talked about how you know people would call like Pitt a rivalry and he's like yeah I agree geographically but until we played him a few years ago none of our players had even been alive to see Penn State play Pitt and you know Penn State was not an original Big Ten team so it just doesn't have that long-standing history of playing any team on the schedule every year and so yeah from James Franklin's perspective he seems perfectly fine with that idea of Penn State not having a protected rivalry I think Penn State they're even they're kind of spin on it is they've always kind of had like unrivaled has always kind of been one of their mottos and it kind of plays into that that they don't they don't have that rival uh they're just you know they don't need a Penn State, they don't feel like they need a rival to be the big brand that they are. And so, uh, you know, James Franklin, when he was initially asked about it on Wednesday, basically said, you know, I think the Big Ten built this schedule to try to get multiple teams in the playoff. And I mean, Ryan Day alluded to that, too, when when I asked him about the schedule. And so, you know, I think, as we talked about before, the biggest reason why Ohio State and Penn State aren't going to be playing each other every year is because it would put Ohio State at a competitive disadvantage against some other teams if Ohio State had to play Michigan and Penn State every year. And so I think that's the biggest reason why it's not happening is a fact that it probably helps the Big Ten if those teams don't, you know, because if you if you factor in, yeah, Ohio State's already playing Michigan and Penn State every year, but like now they're going to be playing USC every every year. So if you add that on top of also playing Michigan and Penn State, just based on where teams are right now, that could mean for a team like Ohio State having to play one more really tough conference game every single year or at least every other year. And I think you know that's ultimately why the Big Ten chose not to protect that rivalry. And it doesn't seem like anybody involved is all too bothered by it.
0: Yeah, Ryan Day kind of smiled and laughed when I think you asked him about that. And, and he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not losing too much sleep or whatever. He said uh, that basically – you know express the fact that he he's not too sad to not be playing penn state because you know th- those teams are just going to be beating up on each other if they are going to be continue to be the, the top teams in the conference as as many expect them to be especially you know, you're, you're looking over the sec and the eight game schedule conference schedule that they still play over there and you know, maybe even like Georgia's schedule in 2023, for example, and you see a path laid out for, you know, a team to, to clearly be able to make the college football playoff. And clearly the Big Ten wants to, you know, set its, itself up for for candidacy, uh, you know, even in that 12-team that playoff and things like that. Uh, but, Dan, any other kind of big picture uh, things that, you know, that you heard from Ryan Day or maybe outside of Ryan Day before we get into some kind of more personnel-based and, and nitty-gritty things with the Buckeye roster, uh, you know, that we learned on Wednesday?
1: Well, I mean, I think without a doubt, you know, but, but, topic that was probably asked about the most to Ryan day on Wednesday was the quarterback competition. And, uh, you yeah, there were a lot of, a lot of questions about that as we expected, no firm answers on who, uh, the starting quarterback for Ohio state is going to be this season. But, you know, he did say, you know, it's quote very close. And, you know, one reporter tried to get kind of a clarification, like, you know, is it 50, 50, like how truly close in terms of a percentage is it? And he, he didn't, Take that bait, he wouldn't really go down that road. But, you know, he did say, like, you know, he talked about how, you know, like, you know, they didn't name CJ Stroud the starter until August two years ago. They didn't name Justin Fields the starter until, you know, before the season in 2019. You know, you know, they didn't formally name Dwayne Haskins the starter. You know, even after you know, he that competition was more wrapped up in the spring with Joe Burrow. But, you know, they didn't formally name any of those guys starters until August. But in all of those situations, you know, I think we all went into preseason camp with a pretty good idea of who the starting quarterback was going to be that year. And he said, you know, this competition's different. It, it really is close. And, you know, he did like he, he I think he was asked at one point like if either Guy had an edge anyway. And he did say, like, the one edge Kyle has is that Kyle has been here for an extra year. And so he didn't he didn't say anything to dispel the idea that McCord is still at least a slight front runner in that competition, but he also didn't, he certainly made it sound like there's a real competition to be had. And, you know, I think maybe the most interesting thing on that front was, you know, he was asked directly about the possibility of the quarterback competition continuing into the season. And you know, he could have shut that down. He could have said, no, we need to have a starter before the year. But he didn't close the door on that possibility. Now, he did say multiple times, we hope a starting quarterback will emerge soon. And it's certainly his preference to have a clear starting quarterback named before the start of a season. But he, he didn't shut down the possibility that that quarterback competition could potentially linger into the season. And I think that tells you that both those, I mean, I think they like both those quarterbacks. They think both of them have starting talent. But I think it also tells you that they don't feel as comfortable with either of those quarterbacks right now as they did with C.J. Stroud two years ago or Justin Fields four years ago or Dwayne Haskins five years ago
0: just him talking about potentially letting the the quarterback battle go longer, you know, just illustrates another thing he was talking about in terms of differentiating the two of them in that battle, which was he wants to see which one of those guys can routinely make the most important play at the most important time. And and I don't know if they've had, you know, all the opportunities necessary to kind of evaluate that, given the fact that obviously Devin Brown wasn't able to play in the spring game. You know, Ryan Day mentioned that, you know, you're not able to see the full extent of a quarterback's improvisational skills or, or mobility in an important moment, you know, in a in a non-contact practice, at least for the quarterbacks, you know, in that type of setting. So if you really are trying to, to see if, if, if the battle really is that close and the the distinguishing kind of characteristic is who can make more of those plays on a, on a third and four and convert or maybe move out of the pocket or, you know, break out of some contact in the, in the backfield and make something happen downfield. You know, you may not be getting enough of that in practice, you know, as compared to an actual game, which might make, you know, l- leaving the the, 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 the competition uh, going into the season make more sense in terms of actually getting a better feel for those things.
1: One thing he did say is that they really like the depth they have at the quarterback position right now. Uh, they've got four quarterbacks uh, on scholarship with uh, Lincoln Keenholes arriving this summer and Tristan Gebbia coming in through the transfer portal in the offseason. And uh, he did have good things to say about Lincoln Keenhol's, uh multiple times on uh, Wednesday that he brought Lincoln up and said Lincoln's doing a really good job so far, which I don't think anybody should read into that and say, oh, Lincoln's going to come in and steal the starting job in year one. But certainly it, it did feel like he went out of his way a little bit to say how pleased he was with Lincoln right now so you know certainly again I, I don't think he's going to factor him into of a starting competition this year but it certainly is a promising sign for his future that Ryan Day is already talking up how well Lincoln has come in and competed so far
0: well yeah that was, that was a funny thing Dan because you know Tim May tried to pull a fast one on Ryan Day a little bit and in jest there uh, when Ryan Day was up at the podium and, and asked like Who's your 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 backup quarterback gonna be, or whatever it was he asked, in, in kind of a, a classic, clever Tim May type of way. Uh, and then you know Ryan Day basically from there broke down the entire quarterback room, but he started with Lincoln Keenholds, which was like. Oh, uh, you know, is, is Ryan Day about to say Lincoln Keenholz has, you know, uh, asserted himself as the top guy in the room? You know, obviously he wasn't saying that, but it was, you know, I think a good sign for the the true freshman coming in that Ryan Day already was, you know, talking about him in, in, in pretty glowing terms, uh, especially when you know he, he also talked about he, he shined up uh, several other kind of freshmen coming in and, and talked about how some guys you know, he already isn't viewing them as true freshmen anymore if they came in during the, you know, if they were early enrollees. Uh, and for a guy like Keenholz that didn't come in that early to already be, um, you know, receiving those kind of plaudits from the head coach is certainly a good sign for the, for the future of the room.
1: You mentioned some of a freshman he talked up on Wednesday. And I think one that really stood out to both of us was how he talked up Luke Montgomery, specifically when when he was asked about whether the starters had been determined at offensive tackle he mentioned Luke Montgomery's name as someone who has really impressed him, which, you know, is certainly an interesting thing to hear because I don't think that, you know, we have really thought of Luke Montgomery being someone who could be a realistic candidate to compete for a starting job this year. But the fact that Ryan Day threw his name into that conversation, you know, I I would still think that you know, most likely Josh Fryer is going to be the starting left tackle and that either Josh Simmons or Tegra Shibola is going to be the starting right tackle. But the fact that Ryan Day felt, you know, through. I mean, just in the context of that answer, like Ryan Day, he didn't mention Zen Mahalski, but he did mention Luke Montgomery. He also mentioned Luke Montgomery when he was asked about the offensive line on the podium. That tells you they've seen something in Luke Montgomery uh, that, that they really like. And certainly, regardless of what happens this year, you know, that kind of seems to be a hint to buy stock in Luke Montgomery and someone who could be starting at Ohio State sooner than later.
0: Yeah, Ryan Day came out and said that you know the starting tackles are still undecided. I don't think anyone necessarily thought that you know, we were just going to talk to Ryan Day again after several months of you know not hearing from him, and all of a sudden he was you know completely sure about the tackle positions because of course you've got a guy like Josh Simmons that, that came in that we still haven't seen actually on the field. You know what we'll be able to uh, this preseason and everything like that. Uh, but you know Josh it was, was a guy that you know, everyone was talking about as being a, a solidified guy. And, you know, he also said that, that they might move guys around still on the offensive line, Dan. But yeah, like, like you mentioned with Luke Montgomery, uh, that's a guy that's, you know, I've, I've heard in like our, uh, I've seen people kind of ask about him as a potential option there, but you're just not thinking that a true freshman is going to come in on the offensive line. I mean, we've seen in recent years at Ohio State, really elite kind of five-star talent kind of guys. You talk about a Paris Johnson or a Donovan Jackson coming in and in their second year, You know, uh, entering that that starting five, that that top five kind of rotation there. But um, for a guy that maybe wasn't considered quite on on that that level coming in as a true freshman, uh, it certainly is a bit surprising. But you know, perhaps just what Ohio State needs during a time at which the depth at that tackle position is is questionable to say the least.
1: We also learned Wednesday that apparently Josh Simmons is called Jimmy inside the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Uh, Ryan Day dropped that nugget during his press conference. And then uh, JT Tumolo, I was asked about it later. And he said, he said he's called Jimmy inside the the whack, but he's Josh outside of it. So I don't know if that's maybe, you know, not wanting to confuse him with Josh Fryer. They came up with like a nickname for him, but apparently he's called Jimmy. But, you know, on a more serious note. Uh, you know something else that JT said about Simmons on Wednesday was you know that he's really you know an explosive athlete, and that's something that we've heard a few times here over the past week. Uh, I was out at uh, the Care Source uh, Football Pro Camp that uh, you know some of the guys who were involved with the 1870 Society participated in on on Friday, and I asked Josh Fryer. And, uh, you know, Tekka Shabola, Jacob James, I asked all of them about Josh Simmons. And that was something that multiple of them mentioned as well, that he's a guy who's really an explosive athlete. And so uh, that, that seems to be the, the big takeaway on him so far is that he's a guy who really is very physically gifted. And if he can build on that potential that, you know, he has the ability uh, to be a great offensive tackle, although, as Ryan Day said on Wednesday... He hasn't even seen him practice yet. And so they're not ready to name Josh Simmons the starting right tackle yet, but it certainly seems like they've seen something in these summer workouts that gives them optimism about the kind of player Josh Simmons has the potential to be.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things with with all the transfers coming in that the Ryan Day has talked about for the last several years, which is like, you know, you, you can't just strictly you know guarantee a guy a spotter before you've even seen him practice no matter what the the rap might be about him and his athleticism and stuff like that it would still seem out of character for him to just come in before you know even putting on pads or anything like that for Ohio State and Ryan Day to kind of turn up a Big Ten media days and be like yes this is 100% our guy when you've got some some other guys that you've expressed confidence in you you talk about a Tegra Shibola or somebody like that and just be like nah they didn't cut it you know we're, we're gonna elevate the the new guy coming in above him so i think you know he, he still may very well end up being in that spot uh for sure and i think he probably will be on you know in, in terms of what i believe but um for for right now i think he wants to see that that competition play out this preseason but yeah when he when he said that he, he goes by jimmy i was like all right does everyone want to start calling him that now but then when, when randy had his longer kind of breakout you know uh media availability he was still just kind of referred to as Josh Simmons and then Ryan day didn't really correct anybody from there so I guess we're gonna have to wait until it's changed on the actual you know roster sheet and things like yeah, that we'll
1: see is, is this gonna become this year's uh controversy about why we called JT JT when uh, you know everybody thought he he was upset about being called JT but he's only upset about being called JTT and he's he, <laughs> but I, I I digress but uh yeah I I'm interested to, now we have something to ask Josh Simmons for sure, but next time we talk to him, like, about this whole Jimmy thing, because this is a, I don't know if it's, like, back in the day for quarterbacks where they used to, like, have weird names, like JT Barrett, like, I don't know. I don't even remember the names, but I just remember (laughs) back when, like, JT and Joe Burrow and all of them were there, like, somebody was called Ross or something. Like, I don't even remember all the details of it. It was kind of silly, but I was kind of wondering if, that was the the same same kind of deal, but of course Josh Simmons not the only transfer who's come in this summer. Uh, Luke Montgomery and Ta- or sorry, we already talked about Luke Montgomery, Lorenzo Styles and Taiwan Malone the other two. Uh, transfers who came in this summer and I asked Ryan day about both of them as well. And, you know, Lorenzo, he said, you know, he said if, if I could only use one word to describe Lorenzo, I would describe him as quote competitive. And he, he mentioned about how, you know, they, they always liked him as a corner dating back to high school. And he said, Lorenzo kind of said to him, yeah, I, I probably should have listened to you guys uh, back then because of course, after two years at Notre Dame uh, he has made the move. Uh, two corner and you know going back to that camp from last week I had the opportunity to talk to Lorenzo last Friday as well and Lorenzo made it clear that you know we we've talked about this possibility that Lorenzo could redshirt his first season at Ohio State and I still think that I mean, realistically was like a possibility that should be considered but Lorenzo did make it clear like that's not his expectation and it he's not coming in just as like a feel-good family story right like obviously part of a reason why he's at Ohio State now is because his father played at Ohio State his brother played at Ohio State I mean he grew up rooting for Ohio State he grew up in Pickerington Ohio like all of that is a reason why Lorenzo Styles is at Ohio State but you know he wanted to make it clear that like I'm not just here like just I'm not just happy to be here I want to be one of the best players in the country. And and that's a lot to say for somebody who's just now changing positions. But, you know, based on what Ryan Day said about him today, it was also made clear by what Day said that Ohio State didn't just bring him in just to be a feel-good story either. But Ohio State believes in his potential, again, it's like we talked with Josh Simmons. I mean, he hasn't practiced at Ohio State yet. I mean, he's moving to a position he has not played in college yet. And so I think you have to temper those expectations, at least for his first year at Ohio State. But it certainly does sound like what Ryan Day's seen from Lorenzo in terms of his size, his, his speed, that they think he has the physical tools to potentially develop into a really good cornerback who can help them over the next two to three years.
0: Yeah, Dan, I, I talked to Sonny Styles last Saturday as well. And, uh, you know, exactly like you were saying, I, I got the kind of the same vibe, which is, you know, if that was the, the case that, you know, it was a kind of this this happy family story, they're certainly not playing that element up because, you know, Sonny de- didn't say that he was Begging his brother to to come uh, reunite with him at Ohio State, he said that he would have supported Lorenzo Styles no, no matter where he went or, or what he did, and he just wanted him to make the right decision for him. Uh, but that ultimately it worked out, you know, as him coming to Ohio State, and and now now it is a great story. But that that's not necessarily all that went into it. And then in regards to Taiwan
1: Malone, you know, Ryan Day said, you know, similar to what we heard from Larry Johnson a couple months ago, that. You know, Ohio State really liked Taiwan coming out of high school, but they they wanted him to focus on football. Taiwan wanted to play both football and baseball. He decided to go to Ole Miss to do that. But Ohio State felt like if he ever really focused on football, that he would have the potential to be a really good player. And so now that he has decided to focus fully on football, Ohio State excited about bringing him in. Ryan did say when I asked him about, I asked about, what can Taiwan be in the rotation this year? And Ryan, in his answer, said, you know, we view him as a guy who's going to be here for multiple years, and we're excited about what he can develop into. And so that answer told me, and I know there's been, there's been kind of some smoke that, like, he's going to play a bigger role than people think this year. But the way Ryan Day answered that kind of made me think, mm, you know, let, let's, let's see on that, because his answer made me think, like, they, they think he's going to be a really good player, but they're not necessarily sure if it's going to be this year or if it's going to be over the next two to three years.
0: Yeah, I know. Another thing that, that Ryan Day said was that like with, with some of those defensive line guys, they might have to carry kind of a bigger load than they have in years past because, uh, you know, depth, depth has been a question um, on, on the defensive line be, beyond that kind of string of projected starters, you know, caliber guys with JT, Jack Sawyer, and those kind of three DTs. Uh, but but Ryan Day said, you know, there's been a lot of rotation on that defensive line in the past, you know, several years. Obviously, that's something that Larry Johnson likes to do, but that this year some of those guys may have to shoulder a bigger load, which, which may speak to what you're talking about with, you know, maybe Malone needing a little bit more time to kind of acclimate now that he's all in on football and not kind of split, splitting his focus with baseball as he was at his previous stop.
1: Some other news that came out today is that uh, two Ohio State offensive linemen will be medically retiring, Uh, one of them being Avery Henry, uh, who, of course, uh, was diagnosed of cancer uh, last December, uh, is now thankfully in remission. But uh, I I asked Ryan Day about that on Wednesday um, and kind of what those conversations were. And what he said was, you know, that essentially uh, Avery had to have a procedure done Uh, As part of his uh, recovery and that that procedure would make it, quote, virtually impossible for Avery to continue playing football. And so, you know, unfortunately for Avery, uh, you know, that cancer is going to bring an end to his football career. Uh, Ryan Day did say, though, that you know he expects Avery to, to continue to be a part of a program. You know we've seen that before with guys like Harry Miller when he retired a couple years ago. Uh, you still see Harry around the program, you know, hanging out with the team, being a part of a program. And so I, uh, it certainly sounds as though Avery is going to have all of those same opportunities afforded to him uh, to be around the team as much as he wants to be, and that they're gonna continue to. Uh, embrace him as a part of their program so you know certainly uh on that front the most important thing for Avery is the fact that he is in remission uh that you know he's healthy that's that's the number one thing there uh unfortunately it does not appear that you know we will get to see that you know great return to a football field but uh, you know, they're going to continue to, you know, keep their arms around Avery and uh, do everything they can to support him as he uh, remains a student at Ohio State and kind of, you know, moves forward, you know, with the next chapter of his life. And uh, Ryan Day also confirmed that uh, Grant Toutant, offensive lineman who, who hadn't played, I don't think he played any in-game snaps in his first three years at Ohio State. I don't recall seeing him on the field at all this spring. Uh, Ryan Day said that uh, Grant Tutant uh, has also had to medically retire from football. Which those two moves uh, do? Ryan Day did say uh, those moves get Ohio State down uh, to 85 scholarships, which you know would seemingly indicate that you know what we've heard about Lorenzo Styles not being on scholarship this year is true. Because uh, you know if you just look at the numbers, if Lorenzo was on scholarship right now. You know that would put Ohio State at 86 uh, without counting him. Ohio State uh, would be at 85, and of course, that that's a big question that people have had for a long time. And so, some clarity there. Although, you know, we did hear uh, just this week that you know Nigel Glover, the former Northwestern linebacker, uh, is going to be making an official visit to Ohio State this week. Uh, so there, there's the possibility Nigel Glover, of course, you know, being able to enter the portal because of the coaching change at Northwestern, he would be immediately eligible to play this year. Now, I think if Ohio state was to bring in Nigel Glover, it, it would be a move for the future and not for right now. It would basically be bringing in another recruited linebacker. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that over the past week, Uh, Edwin Spillman committed to Tennessee and Kingston Viliamu Asa committed to Notre Dame. Those were Ohio state's top two remaining targets in the 2024 class at linebacker. And so basically they're looking at Nigel Glover as somebody who can kind of fill that void, but you know, he'd be coming in a year early. So, you know, if he does choose Ohio state, then another roster spot, another scholarship would have to open up or maybe they work out something there Similar to, you know, with Lorenzo where, you know, he could go on scholarship in January or something like that. Don't really know all the just logistics are going to work there if Nigel Glover will even choose Ohio State because he's also officially visiting Kentucky and Michigan this week. But nevertheless, you know, That had been a lingering question all summer because we hadn't had an opportunity to talk to Ryan Day. Now, you know, those two medical retirements providing some clarity as to how Ohio State actually is getting down to 85.
0: Other important roster news, Dan, Ryan Day revealed that uh, wide receiver Reese Stocksdale will be out until at least bull practice, he said, with an ACL tear. Uh, Zach Herbstreet, who uh, many will remember was hospitalized not long ago um, in, in kind of a, a public situation there, um, that he will be out indefinitely, Dan, until Ryan Day said the team learns more about his condition. Uh, but other than those two guys, Ryan Day said basically everyone that was you know, limited or, or out during the spring is back. And he also specifically asked about Evan Pryor, who obviously missed all of last season, is full go down, Dan, for the preseason, uh, which is certainly good news for him as, you know, Pryor was obviously on a track to, to potentially be a, a guy that, you know, got some, some regular snaps last year, but then ended up having that opportunity cut short.
1: Yeah, I mean... Obviously, you know, things can happen in camp, and we'll see, you know, where they are health wise when they get to uh, September 2 playing in Indiana. But it sounds like going into camp next week that Ohio State uh, is going to have its full contingent of 85 scholarship players available. And so uh, that's certainly a, a positive note. Well, you know, well, I guess you won't, but I guess I'll see that with my own eyes next week. Although we'll we'll have another show before camp starts next week. But next Thursday and Friday, uh, practices are actually going to be opened up to the fans. Uh, 500 tickets were sold for each of those practices. And we have been told that the media will get to go to those practices as well. So uh, just over a week from now, I'll be out there. You know, Garrick and Chase will be out there. And I'm sure one of them will probably be joining me on uh, Real Pod Wednesdays to talk about all of that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're, go- we'll, we'll get a real look a week from now if, okay, is that actually true that everybody's healthy? Cause usually there's, there's a few guys who are going to be limited for one reason or another, but it does sound like coming off of summer. We, there were quite a few guys who were sidelined this spring and, you know, we had the opportunity to talk to a few of them between the two of us over the past week. Uh, Jacob James, Emeka, Buka, Xavier Johnson, those were three of the guys who were sidelined this spring. All three of them said they're, you know, good to go now and, and they're ready to get back at it next week.
0: And Dan, how about another big kind of topic at this year's um, Big Ten Media Days? Because obviously the, the past few years and we talked about it as kind of a, in our preview episode, kind of for the, the Big Ten Media Days, which was, you know, NIL and things like that that's always going to be on on the forefront of the transfer portal as well it's always going to be on the forefront with how much things are changing you know so rapidly in this sport but it's you know at the same time kind of lost a little bit of luster in terms of it being this the shiny new kind of thing to, to get everyone's opinions on and everything like that this year Dan sports betting because really even since the end of the college football season it seems like sports betting just continues to to explode everywhere uh, and and obviously there's been a, there's been suspensions in, in different um, you know, in, in, the, in the NFL, we've seen some former former Buckeyes get suspended you know, in the NFL for sports betting. We've seen uh, with with Iowa, Dan, there was a big sports betting investigation in ongoing sports betting investigation across several different sports. Uh, so that was kind of a new question that that was asked of many coaches, including Ryan Day at Big Ten Media Days, uh, which which led him to to say, Dan, that there's three topics that he uh, really often talks in detail about, uh, you know, to his his pupils and his players about kind of avoiding
1: yeah and, and those three topics uh, the first one he said w- was guns uh, just because of all the shootings that you know have been happening you know all over the country you know really for several years now but and of course that's something that hit uh, very close uh, to the Ohio State football team uh, just in the past couple weeks as as uh, Ohio State got the horrible news that uh carnell tate's mother had been killed in a shooting in chicago and uh, that was addressed as well um you know i, I know marvin harrison jr was asked about it and, and he really praised carnell for just how strong he's been through this whole process he said carnell's like still been coming to practice and marvin's like you know i don't i don't know how he's able to do that and and, you know de- you know when you're dealing with such a tragic loss but you know any of us can imagine it would just be such a horrible thing to deal with for carnell tate and you know he's been continuing to come to work i know there was uh, a photo posted by someone on instagram the other day of the wide receivers together and you know he was there with them and, and he was smiling so it's good to see that you know he's he's been around the team and they've been you know wrapping their arms around him uh, as he deals with this really trying time but you know, he mentioned, that, you know, that's a topic he talks to a team about. He said sports betting's a topic he talks to a team about, and then he also mentioned speeding, which I don't know if he meant to throw shade at Georgia, but he, he kind of did, even if he didn't mean to, by by by, by mentioning that, because of course, uh, there's been a big controversy lately with with Georgia about how uh, there's been this track record of players driving well over the speed limit down there at at georgia and again i i don't really think that ryan day meant that as a shot toward georgia i mean it's it's certainly a very valid topic to be talking about uh with with players that you know about i mean i know it just came up in the nfl this past week i think jordan addison the receiver for the vikings was driving like 140 miles per hour and you know something about an emergency with his dog but nevertheless like You you can't drive 140 miles per hour. You're putting yourself and other people's lives at risk. And so certainly uh, three very valid topics to uh, talk about with his team. But, you know, for me, the first thing I thought when I heard it is like, oh, well, that uh, you you can't help but think of everything we've been hearing about the Georgia situation and that whole scandal, which has now led to a uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution reporter being fired after Georgia demanded a retraction for certain elements of that reporting. Although I, I don't believe that was specific to all the stuff about speeding that has come out about the program in recent years.
0: Yeah, Dan, I think more than, than even it being like, and I also thought the same thing when, when he said the the speeding remark, because it's been, you know, just such a highly publicized thing with the Georgia program. But I think more than anything, it's probably just that, you know, if you're Ryan Day, you're looking around at, you know, pitfalls that, you know, you know other programs, comparable programs to Ohio State, or, or players. You know, other big-time players. Problems that could befall his own players. You know, you're kind of looking at those issues and being like, okay, how do we make sure that that, that our guys don't end up in those same situations? And uh, you know, that was kind of reflected as well with the whole Northwestern uh, hazing scandal and allegations and lawsuits and all of that, which was obviously. A huge topic as well at this year's Big Ten Media Days, uh, and Ryan Day was asked about that, and and if a if a you know a moment like that or a scandal like that, a situation like that makes him kind of reflect on his own culture and his locker room, and he said that he actually like had a, a meeting with his staff members and said like uh, and made it clear to them like if you guys see anything like going on, kind of like I, I need to know about this kind of stuff. So, um, you know, all, it, it seems like he's definitely trying to make sure. You know, even if things aren't going on in his own program, trying to make sure that his, his program doesn't, you know, fall into those same pitfalls. Yeah. And I
1: would imagine those kind of meetings happened at a lot of places around the country after that uh, Northwestern news broke. Because, I mean, again, you know, I mean, as you know, I'm sure we've talked to it before, like, I mean, nobody would have imagined like any of that stuff happening at Northwestern until we started hearing about it a few weeks ago. And so I, I would think that any coach who cares about, you know safety of their players and what's going on in their program would be taking a that as an opportunity to to make sure that nothing similar is going on within their own programs
0: and Dana, uh, I guess, what did you make of just uh, us getting to hear from uh, you know new Big Ten commissioner Tony Petiti for the you know first time in person? There, obviously, you know he's had a, a press conference or two in the past, but you know, his first opportunity post Kevin Warren era, uh, you know, he we, he also got a lot of coaches around the big 10 asked about him and his kind of leadership style and things like that too what were your impressions because obviously Kevin Warren's era at the top of the big 10 was you know arduous at times polarizing at times how did you think that, that Tony Petiti kind of set the standard there with his first appearance in, in this post
1: yeah I don't think we heard anything that was really surprising or unexpected I mean we we, we talked about it last week we mentioned like We expected he'd probably come out and advocate for congressional legislation for NIL, which he did. He said, you know, he's very much in favor of, quote, true NIL, but he feels that a lot of what's happening in that space right now is not true NIL in terms of, you know, collectives and, uh, you know, Recruits being paid and all of that. And so he, uh, you know, much like Gene Smith has advocated before when we had him on Real Pod Wednesdays, is among those now advocating for congressional legislation. And I know, you know, a couple of bills have been, you know, introduced in Congress again just over this past week. So you know, again, as we talked about before, like we'll see if any of those actually come to pass. I think it's still a ways away from any of that happening. But there's a clear push throughout college athletics right now that they really do want Congress to step in and set regulations for NIL because I think realistically the NIL knows that compared to state laws, it's toothless to enforce NIL regulations itself. And so it needs Congress to come in and, and create a federal standard uh, that governs everybody. And so uh, you know Tony Petiti joining the you know cacophony of of leaders who, are calling for that. Uh, he did also, also very much in line with what we heard from Gene Smith during his appearance on RealPod Wednesdays, uh, said that uh, they're not looking for, at further expansion right now, that uh, he said in his conversations with athletic directors and presidents around the league that you know, he's consistently heard that they want to focus on integrating USC and UCLA into the conference before uh, looking at fervor expansion night I think the one thing that I did kind of think about when I heard that statement was him specifically mentioning about the conversations he's had with everyone around the league. Because I think probably the biggest knock that a lot of people around the Big Ten had on Kevin Warren was that he didn't communicate with them on stuff. That There there was a lot of times they heard about stuff the first time when it actually went public, that he wasn't keeping them in the loop and having those consistent conversations and communication uh, with coaches, athletic directors, you name it. And so th- I think that's one thing. We even heard it from some of the coaches when they were asked about Tony Patiti today about how he's been very good at communicating with them so far. I know like even not this really means anything, but just like noticed when Ryan Day was waiting to take the stage for his press conference but Tony Patini went over and talked to him and they were spending several minutes chatting before Ryan Day took the stage. And so there does seem to be a concerted effort there from Tony Petiti to make sure he's communicating with everyone else in the Big Ten, understands their wants and their needs. And I think based off of some of the criticisms that Kevin Warren faced, I think that is probably the most important thing for Tony Petiti to be doing in his first Mums summer job.
0: Yeah, I wrote that down too, Dan. In, in real time, I was like, "Okay, like you can you can definitely see that." You know, I don't know if it's any kind of shot at Kevin Warren from the the previous coaches, or just something that they thought was you know felt was wrong that needed to be addressed, and something that Petiti has now you know seemed to address thus far. Uh, but Dan, one thing I guess we haven't uh, dove into too deeply here is just the the Ohio State representatives uh, that were at Big Ten Media Days. Um, I spent most of my time over by Cade Stover. Um, I know you spent spent time with you know all three, but I think a, a lot of time with with Marv. um and, and I know Garrick spent a lot of time with with j T as well uh, during his interview session there at Lucas Oil Stadium. Anything, Dan, that we haven't covered yet from any of those guys that you found particularly interesting or, you know, a funny quote or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I asked Marv. I asked, you know, like, do you enjoy this, like the spotlight? And he's like, no, I really don't like yeah, he, he just wants to focus on uh, playing football, but he did say that he's come to embrace it because obviously with NIL opportunities, with the marketing opportunities that come with being one of the best football players in the country, uh, he has, you know, had a lot of those NIL opportunities come his way. And so he's, he's embraced that, but you know, it's still not necessarily what he's comfortable with. He really just wants to focus on playing football. You know, he mentioned, you know, that in terms of leadership as well, that, you know, Mickey Marotti really been challenging him to speak up more and and talk more to the team because he is more of a quiet guy. He's not somebody who's necessarily inclined to be a vocal leader, Uh, but, you know, he is, you know, trying to take that on, you know, at the coach's behest. as He, you know, certainly steps into a, you know, leadership and upperclassman role here going into his junior year at Ohio State. Um, You know, I did, I I asked him too. I'm like, you know, people are already talking about, you know, you, you know, going to the NFL and obviously there's some of that, you know, chatter out there. There's people who are like, Marv, Marv shouldn't even play this year. Like he doesn't need to, like he's already a top five pick. So I asked him like, why is this year important to you? And he said, well, I, I I haven't beaten Michigan yet and I haven't won a big 10 championship game yet. So those two things are really important to him is, you know, he wants to beat Michigan and he wants to, Uh, win a big 10 championship and going to the big 10 championship game is particularly meaningful to him because of the stadium where he was at on Wednesday, because that's where his father of course became a legend with the Indianapolis Colts. And so there's a lot of meaning for him to have the opportunity to play in that building. He hasn't gotten that opportunity yet, but uh, is certainly hoping that it's going to happen this year. And what we all expect is going to be his final year at Ohio state.
0: I believe he was also wearing, Dan, actually a a blue tie there and, and, you know, a white shirt to kind of commemorate his father in the Colts and things like that. Um, Yeah,
1: probably important to clarify, but the blue was for the Indianapolis Colts, because obviously uh, Ohio State players wearing blue can be frowned upon at times.
0: Yes, I would say so. I haven't seen any reactions on social media, but I imagine there are some people that, you know, might have been calling that out before it was clarified kind of on on social media. But Dan, we talked about Tommy Eikenberg, you know, not wanting to go to uh, Big Ten media days and things like that. Uh, I, I asked uh, Cade Stover kind of what his reaction was um, to you know being one of those three representatives, and he said that, that he wasn't too thrilled about being asked to go there either, Dan. But he did have you know a couple interesting anecdotes. One that I posted on social media that seems to be garnering a lot of attention was that he was asked how much money he makes from NIL, and Cade Stover was like. Uh, like money-wise, I don't know. I'd prefer to get paid in tractors than than money. Uh, and that was like a that was like fifty percent of what he was talking about his, in his entire interview. Dan was like farm equipment and just loving being on the farm. Obviously, we know that uh, you know Stover Stover meats or Stover farms. Like that's a big part of who he is and his identity and stuff. But you know anyone that, that wanted to hear some some farm talk from the man that some call Farmer Gronk certainly got that in spades. If you were to listen to his entire uh, media day interview yeah he's he seems to be leaning into that
1: uh for for sure and it it is always funny you know when you think about you know Cade and tommy and steel uh chambers all being roommates because they all kind of have that kind of surly exterior to them uh but you know Cade, while you know you could definitely see i i got there at the end and you could definitely see by the end like he was getting a little sick of being asked about like what happened against Michigan. Like, you know, he'd kind of had enough of that. He's like, we lost, I wear it on my chest. Like, you know, we, we, we just got to play better, but he, 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 he is always good for some, some funny quotes and certainly got some of those out of him today.
0: Well, Dan, that's, that's one more thing I wanted to mention also that um, you talk about the, the those guys there with Chambers, Eichenberg, Stover having that, you know, certain kind of way about them and all kind of a similar vibe, right? Uh, and that was one thing Ryan Day talked about too uh, on Wednesday was that there's this group of returning veterans that, that are kind of wired the right way that, that really give I would say more of a, a veteran feel than they've had the last few years. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's definitely the vibe I got from like hearing Cade Stover talk about NIL, him saying that like, if you're just after NIL, like you know, Ohio State is, you know, you, the, you know your, your priorities aren't right, and maybe Ohio State isn't the right fit for you. Like, all those kind of comments, and I've certainly seen, you know, some of the reaction from fans as well to some of those, uh, that that's that's how, you know, fans of, you know, Ohio football, Midwest football certainly like their, their tough, no, you know, hard-nosed players to be wired for sure.
1: Yeah, and I know Marvin Harrison Jr. had a similar quote to that as well when he was asked about NIL, and so, you know, that's certainly – That's certainly been the public stance from Ohio State, you know, really from the beginning on NIL is this idea of like, you don't come to Ohio State for NIL, you come to Ohio State to play in the NFL, right? Like that's kind of always kind of been the motto from Ohio State. I, When I hear quotes like that, that is is a little bit where some of my like journalistic cynicism comes in because it's like, these guys do want the money, right? Like, I mean, like these guys, like. I mean, they have NIL deals, right? It's not it's not like they're like turning down NIL deals. So like I mean, I I think it is I'm not saying they're lying and I'm not saying that, that like that's not a true sentiment that they feel, but the NIL does still matter. Like, I mean, it does still matter that Ohio State is able to help its players make NIL money. That's why, you know, I mean, Ryan Day even said it like he he said it on Wednesday. He said, I've done more fundraising in the last year than I've, I've ever done before. And so Ryan Day and Ohio State certainly recognize the importance of, of NIL right now. It's clear that Ohio State has made a more concerted effort to you know, really attack NIL instead of, you know, sitting back and waiting to see what's going to happen. It's become clear this year that Ohio State is taking a more active approach to utilize NIL to its advantage. And so, uh, you know, I I think, you know, NIL is very important, uh, you know, for at least at least until there are some regulations in place. It's very important for Ohio State to be able to utilize NIL to its advantage, but Ohio State certainly has made it clear that like, they don't want players who are just coming looking for a bag. They they want players who are there because they want to be developed and they want to compete for championships. And I think certainly when you talk to guys like Marvin Harrison Jr., Cates Dover, and JT Tuumolowau, who we talked to today, I think that's certainly true for those three guys. That those are guys who – I mean, two of those guys could be top ten picks in the NFL draft next year, but I think all of those guys – you know, really care about winning and they have really team first attitudes. And that's what Ohio state needs. I mean, we, we started the show talking a lot about Ohio state, Michigan. Like that's what they need. Like if they're gonna, they're gonna beat Michigan, they, they need a lot of guys who are all in and they need them to really care about winning that game. Because I think it's, you know, not unfair to say that for the last couple of years, it certainly felt like Michigan has cared more about winning that game. But Ohio State needs to change that this year. It's it's the topic that we're going to be talking about all year long. It was certainly uh, the, a topic that was talked about a, a lot at Big Ten Media Days and is not going to go anywhere all year long, even though Ohio State has 11 more games to play before it plays the game that we know will be at the end of a regular season this year.
0: Yeah, and Dan, hopefully, we get a few more sound bites about that big game on Thursday when we talk to Jim Harbaugh and some of the Wolverine players. That won't be happening kind of until you're already hearing this yeah, podcast. it's probably already
1: happened by the time you're listening to this.
0: But, but nonetheless, it will be interesting. We will be writing about it, I am sure. So stay locked to 11warriors.com in the meantime.
1: Well, Griffin, thank you for not only a great show today, but just for a great 2 years as my co-host here on Real Pod Wednesdays. Real Pod Wednesdays will continue. I will continue to be here with a uh, co-host to be named later, but uh we will be back next week with a fresh show uh previewing fall camp and I, I look forward to talking to you all then.
0: Yeah. And guys, thank you so much for, for listening to my voice. The, the, the last couple of years on this podcast, you know, I never fancied myself a podcaster or anything like that. Uh, but hopefully I've improved over these last couple of years with the help of the wonderful and incomparable Dan hope, who has, uh, you know, given me this platform and the ability to, uh, you know, be in front of all you guys at 11 warriors. So thanks everybody for listening and, and supporting me and, uh, Thank you, Dan, for, for everything you've done for me.
1: Well, you're, you're welcome, Griffin. It's been a pleasure uh, working with you. I I know that uh, all of our listeners have enjoyed uh, listening to your commentary over the last couple of years. So uh, you will certainly be missed, but uh, the show must go on. And so I'll be back next week to talk about more Ohio State football because we are— just over a month away. When when, when when I'm talking to you next week, we're only going to be one month away from the start of Ohio State football season. So uh, we, you can feel it now. We are really getting close uh, to the start of football season and uh, looking forward to previewing all of it and getting into the season with you all. So thanks again, Griffin, and I'll be back next week.